So, look, this morning I'm just going to be continuing um, a series that we've been doing on growth over the last little while. We've had a number of aspects that we've taken in regard to growth. Um, last week we had a guy, what a great guy he was, Taka, Taka Kauri, last week. I really enjoyed what he had to say and his enthusiasm from Hope Centre. Um, did anybody get to see inside his visual diary? Did he actually have anything inside that big black book? Did anybody actually see it? Was it like a flow chart or whatever? Because look, he just went for it. He didn't refer to it very often, but I was curious about that. And I did note the number of times he referred to his lovely wife just sitting there. It was just so sweet, wasn't it? Number of times he mentioned his wife. I just want to clarify before I start that I'm not going to be mentioning Peter too often. And it's I've been married to him for over 40 years and our relationship's fine, okay? Um, but one thing you might not know about that wife that was sitting over there, and it's a bit of a secret, I, I think, it's not, not totally, but she attended to the cares and the needs of Princess Kate when she was here in New Zealand. In her life, she has an organisation and a job, and I thought that was amazing. What a lovely lady to be able to have some opportunity to impact somebody like Princess Kate. I thought that was amazing. So this morning we're going to be looking at um, a little bit more about um, growth, um, and we've entitled it Breakthrough. We had a bit of trouble with my message, because, my title of my message, because actually what I'm looking at and what I often look at is not so much how to catapult us forward, but what's holding us back from being in a place where we can grow. And I've basically thought about a couple of titles for my message, Mind the Step, Mind Your Step, or Watch the Gap. Because there are always things out there to trip us up and halt us in our progress and our growth in God. So it's not just about how we can move forward, but it's what in our background might be stopping us from going forward. I hope by the end of the message you'll be able to recognise some symptoms of delayed or stunted growth that might be lurking in the back that you might be able to know why it's really important to go back and address those issues because it has a huge impact on our life going forward. And I hope to provide you with some guidance that will help you in that process. But you may as well know now that it's not just solutions and it's not quick fixes. It all goes back to being driven into our relationship, our personal relationship with God I cannot live your journey and you cannot live mine. You must find your way in your relationship with God. I can support your journey. I can inspire your journey. I can cheer on the side, but I can't live it. You must find God in the circumstances of your life for yourself. I just want to pray before we move forward. Father God, we ask your Holy Spirit to come amongst us. The comforter, the one that is there that walks our journey with us. Father, we want to acknowledge that your word is powerful, more powerful than a two-edged sword, and that our testimony is a powerful tool against the works of the enemy that could be at work in our lives. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come amongst us today and actively engage with us in your precious name. Amen. So how do we recognize in our lives when our growth is stunted? when we're not moving forward in an area of our life. One of the good questions to ask is, when did I last have a growth spurt? When did I last know that energy in my life that catapulted me forward in an area of my spiritual life? 
what was the event that allowed me to go forward or what was the event that stunted my growth? The circumstances around that time when we did have a growth spurt, what was actually happening? Why did it work? What was happening? What was around there at the time? Now, I work as a pharmacist prescriber and I work in running clinics with patients where I can easily know what to give them in order to prescribe and to see a solution to their problem, but many, many times there's a lot more below the surface that I need to get to before I can actually prescribe a medicine, or I can prescribe a medicine but the patient isn't taking it for a variety of reasons. I want to look at two areas of life that can stunt or halt our growth, and it's to do with the circumstances that happen in our lives. And one of them is when unexpected circumstances just suddenly come into our lives. Difficult, challenging, and tragic things. Did you know that bad things do happen to good people? You know, it's a fallacy to think that we're protected from it. We have to wrestle with these issues till we know that we can find God in the middle of it. In the newspaper recently, there was a tragic story about a group of young people or young adults that were, I think, in Taupo, and they missed a warning sign about a gate opening with floods of water, and they were standing on a rock, and they didn't see the warning sign, and one of those women was um, thrown to her death. And um, there was a warning sign. They didn't see it. They went down to have a wonderful view of something, and they missed an important sign that said, at certain times of the day, the floodgates will be open and this will be flooded. Sometimes we miss an important warning sign and something unexpected happens to us. But many times it's through no fault of our own. Many times through it's no fault of our own. We babysat some of our grandchildren the other day so that Cherie and James could go to Auckland to support friends um, of a young woman who died tragically of cancer um, that had an amazing life ahead of her, great plans for what she was going to do, and got a diagnosis two years ago of bowel cancer, thought they'd beaten it, and then it came back, and she died, and they buried her. Um, The funeral was apparently amazing. Absolutely amazing. She kept faith right to the end and was the inspiration to all those who cared for her as she went into eternity. We have our own heroes of the faith in this fellowship here where unexpected circumstances have come their way and they have faced tragedy and unexpected things with God on their side. The other thing I wanted to um, address today is not just when unexpected circumstances come our way, but the situation where, as it says in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 12, it says, keep on asking and you will receive. Whatever you ask for, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open to you. In one Bible it said this was entitled effective prayer. Just go ahead, do it. A formula. Ask, seek, knock, and you'll get the result. Have you got any circumstances in your life where you've done that and you haven't had the outcome you expected? These are the things that are there that are the challenges, the real challenges of life. It's not a formula. 
What happens if life does not turn out the way you expect it? I believe our response to some of these really important things are absolutely critical. And what drives me to share a message like this is because what happens when we face either unexpected circumstances and do not process it with God, or we're caught in that dilemma of, I've knocked, I've seeked, I've done all these things and I still haven't got what I asked for, it has a tremendous potential to erode our trust and our confidence in God. It has tremendous potential, these dilemmas of life where it doesn't turn out quite right, to lower our expectations of God and our boldness and our faith start to seep out of us. Each of us know people who are in those circumstances. We've watched it at a distance. We've maybe experienced it for ourselves. But do you know one of the most important reasons why it matters that we actually come to some sort of resolution with God on these matters is that we come to the wrong conclusion about the nature and character of God. And it impacts deeply our role as ambassadors or representatives of God. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We had a great message in our series on growth about being ambassadors and representatives. And what happens is we become poor representatives and we're not good ambassadors because underneath in our faith that we've got for ourselves, we've got these dilemmas going on that we've never resolved. And our confidence and our trust in God has been eroded. And we need to wrestle with these things so that we can be accurate representatives to other people. So when other people are going through circumstances of life that are challenging, our first response is, oh my God, I've got nothing to offer you because I've been there myself and I still don't know the answers. And I haven't found God for myself either. And the very role that we've been called to be, to go out there and make God's appeal on his behalf, we we just can't do it. We pull back from those things. We're not confident in those things. There's a quote of Oswald Chambers that says, Never be sympathetic, sympathetic with the soul whose case makes you come to the conclusion that God is hard. Never be sympathetic with a soul whose case makes you come to the conclusion that God is hard. I have a very close friend who's actually been part of the life of, C- of CFUH for many years. I'm not going to obviously mention him by name. And I've watched his journey of faith where he's gone from somebody who was strong and confident and actually very, very gifted and contributed much to the life of CFUH through a journey where somehow Something's gone wrong and his faith has been eroded, his confidence, his expectation of God has been eroded and I've had to stand on the sideline with agony in my heart as I've watched his journey and find out what on earth's gone wrong. I spent some time with his family and had a moment uh, recently when I was overseas and suddenly God dropped into my heart. He's He's asked the right questions but he's come to the wrong conclusions about me 
about me as God. And it all made sense. Now, I don't know why that happened. I don't know how that happened, but it's been tragic to watch on the sideline, except I got a message the other day to say after numerous years of disengaging with Christian community in a large extent, he has decided to re-engage and walk with his wife to the church that she's attending. And I thought, praise God. Okay, the journey's been hard. He's disengaged. He's suffered greatly, and so has the family. But suddenly he became brave enough to say, I don't know, but 2017, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to re-engage. I've been reading a great book that um, Andre has recommended, and I don't know if anybody knows about Marilyn Robinson, um, an amazing author. Um, written a book, this is one of her most favourite ones of mine, called Gilead. Now, there's a, this is all about the search and the struggles we have in faith. I highly recommend it. It's called Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. Amazing book, especially centred on a son who just seems to be the one in the family that just struggles and struggles and struggles. And one day he brings up the conversation with his father, who's a, who's a, um, a vicar, a minister, and he, he wants to challenge him about God and who God is and all this sort of stuff. And he gets on to the jolly subject of predestination, which is so inflammatory on everybody stands on all different sides of the fence. You know, does God have favourites and only this side go to heaven and this side here? You know, he knows already that they're going to be bad somewhere along the line and they're never going to get there. And so what happens to you in the middle sort of thing? And so he throws these questions out and he says to his father, basically to get a conversation and argument going. And his father, a wise man of faith, finishes with something like this then I suppose you must have some way of responding to questions like this. He, and the vicar, the pastor says, of many years, says, I tell them that there are certain attributes of faith assigned to God, like omnipotence, um, om, uh, justice and grace, and that we human beings have a slight acquaintance with power and knowledge, so little conception of justice, and so light a capacity for grace, that the working of these great attributes together is a mystery we cannot hope to penetrate. Isn't that amazing? Amazing writer. But that we as human beings have a slight acquaintance with all of these things that are absolute certainties of the nature and character of God. Recently, Peter and I did the great garage sort-out Okay, who's done one of those over summertime? Now, we hate to confess, but we haven't added up the years, but we, we really do wonder if we haven't done one since we moved to our house in Arnott Ave, which we think is 20 years, okay? But in the middle of doing that, we were actually quite struck when we went through the old books that were meant to go into our bookshelf in the house that never got there. And we were kind of appalled when we bought them out, the ones from the 70s and the 80s, about the theology behind them. They were full of great quick fixes. Look, here's one. You've probably got them all yourself. The power to praise. If you don't get that, it's the prison to praise. And if you don't get that, it's the answers to praise. Okay? Simple formulas. Go ahead, do them, and you'll get an answer. Now, there was some good truth in them. I do notice that on the front of power to praise, there's a little 50 cents scribbled by one of our kids, possibly Andre trying to get rid of it in a book, uh, you know, give it away. 50 cents it's going for if you want it. Okay, I wonder how many books you've read about God on mute. 
What happens when we've asked, we've knocked, and we've sought, and the answer is that we feel like God's just gone on mute? Another one I'd recommend. But there's a great abundance of quick fixes, and yet you and I know that in the reality of our lives, life is far more complex, far more complicated than we imagined. Read these by, by all means. They might be correcting something that needed to be corrected, but I also encourage you to wrestle with the subjects of what does it feel like when God is on mute. So what are the possibilities when we have knocked and we've kept on knocking and we haven't got anything? Well, you could have been right, asking the right question. Quite obviously the right question, and the answer was soon but not now. It's coming. What you need is you need to persevere. Hebrews 10 verses 35 to 36 says, So do not throw aside your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. You have a need of perseverance right now, so when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And just recently, I was feeling discouraged. I was in the middle of some challenging circumstances, and I was about to have breakfast, and Pete says, this is the verse for you. It's the word of the day. Have a read of it. And I thought, yes, I'm on track. I've asked the right question. It just hasn't been answered right now, but it will happen. Okay? Other times, there can be obstacles in the way of an answered prayer. And that story of Daniel, which basically talks about um, a battle in the heavenlies was going on in order for something to be accomplished. So right question will come, just some delays in it. Oswald Chambers says, Perseverance is more than endurance. It is endurance combined with absolute um, assurance and certainty that what we're hoping for is actually going to happen. So if that's the case, and you'll be knocking, seeking, and asking, and there's just a delayed response, well, just keep persevering. God will come through. God will come through. But what happens, and what I wanted to center on more today, is what happens when we've been knocking and kept on knocking, and we've had the right request. It seems a right and reasonable request, but God is actually saying no, and we don't get what we ask for. These are much harder to reconcile in our lives. A good request, those verses before talk about when we ask for a, when our children ask for bread, would we give them a stone? Why, why, why? All these questions. And my heart just so struggles, like anybody else's, that we must find God in the middle of those things because it's so important to the outcome of where we're going. Why did God let this happen? Why did I pray for a healing and there was death? Why did I, what all these different circumstances, why, did, why is life so challenging? What happens if the mountain that we've been praying from for is not removed? I want you to take a moment now and just quietly reflect as I'm going to ask Charlene and Angie to come up. And uh, I requested a song that's touched my heart recently. And then we'll go on to just look at a little bit more to help us in our journey of faith.
one down at your feet every moment of my wandering never changes what you see i try to win this war i confess my hands are weary i need your rest mighty warrior king of the fight no matter what i face you by my side when you don't move the mountains i'm needing you to move when you don't hit the waters i wish i could walk through when you don't give the answers as i cry out to you i will trust i will trust i will trust in you truth is you know what tomorrow brings there's not a day ahead you have not seen so So what does growth look like with the what-ifs? What if growth is not about my comfort, but finding God in the midst of my pain? What if growth demands that I learn to live with a certain level of uncertainty and mystery with some unanswered questions I may not find the answer till this side of eternity, to the other side of eternity? 
And what happens, in fact, if true growth is not measured by what happens above the surface of my life, but below? I've got a little picture of the grapevine to come up. Is there a grapevine about to emerge? Okay. Now, I'm a bit of a gardener, or I like to think of myself as a gardener. And um, that's just a picture of a grapevine. Now, you can see, if you can see past me, that the, the roots of the, the grapevine go down very deep into the soil. And that is why grapevines produce good grapes. Now, unfortunately, I have discovered that the neighbours, with a bit of grapevines falling over the fence, are producing some amazing grapes. And these are my pathetic ones on my grapevine today. Okay, are they a good specimen of grapes? Not exactly, are they? There's a whole lot of little parts of them that haven't even grown into grapes. Do you know what I'm doing wrong? Other than Peter not pesticiding it and doing it at the right times of the... Do you know what I'm doing wrong? Do you know what the neighbour's doing? In fact, the neighbour's quite sick and he's not doing anything at all to his grapevine and they're absolutely beautiful grapes, absolutely plum. I'm gonna, we're allowed to steal a few of them. They're hanging over the fence. I am watering my grapevine possibly too much. I have discovered that grapevines actually, in reality, to grow roots like that, they need to be deprived of being spoon-fed with my hose, and they need to go deep, deep, deep down into the resources below and find their water source in the water table underneath. And they grow better like that than they do with me spoon-feeding and watering every day. And our lives can be a bit like that too. Our lives can be a bit like that too. We can want to take everything quite superficially and get things from other people and quick formulas and everything, but God is demanding that our lives go deep into his roots and we find the real table of water underneath. And instead of producing pathetic grapes like that, we will produce the right type of grapes. So remember the grapevine. So what happens if growth is about this, about um, in, as growth is more about my confidence and trust in God, like that song said, "If you don't move that mountain, I will still trust in you." Now that's purely academic. If today you're not sitting in a circumstance where you could relate to that, and you might need to tuck that away for the future, purely academic. But I know without a shadow of doubt there are a number of you sitting there with that song just cut to the core. Cut to the core because that mountain has not been moved. And you need to know how to trust in God. Find him for yourself. Do you know, I was just driving in my car, thinking about my message as I was driving up the Capiti Coast the other day, and I just felt God dropped into my heart the story of Ruth. Now, Ruth, when she first came to the fields of, of where... that. Boaz um, owned. What did she do? Where did she, where did she find her source of food for those, those, in those first few days? Where, what did she get them from? Where did she go? She got the gleanings, didn't she? She went through the paddock and she got the gleanings, the leftovers, the bits that were just sitting on the side. Um, and I just wanted to say to you that God's heart for Ruth was not that she would spend the rest of her life gleaning off the leftovers in the side of a field. But God's heart and plan was that she would meet and have a relationship with Boaz, who was the owner of the field. 
It was all about Boaz, and she got to know him in the true biblical sense, including she got to know him completely. She entered into a relationship with him, and she no longer had to spend her life getting the gleanings on the side and the leftovers from others. And God's intention is the same for you. His plan that you will not spend just picking up the leftovers of other lives spiritually, but that you will get to know deeper and deeper and deeper your relationship with God for yourself. So I want to just finish on a couple of things that I want you to, they're not quick fixes, as I said, and they're not solutions. But I want you to think about areas of your life where you have stopped growing that could be related to an unexpected circumstance that came and has taken you off course. Or it could be to do with that disillusionment with God because you've done what you thought he was going to do. You thought there was a formula and it hasn't worked out. I want to give you just three things as we finish today. First of all, be brutally honest with God. Never pretend with God. If you're in pain, if you're disappointed, if you've got things raging up inside you, that things that just don't make sense, I encourage you to be brutally honest with God and don't pretend. It's a fallacy. I, I listened to a professor, um, Catherine Purvis. Unfortunately, she's just recently died. Amazing woman, um, amazing work. Have a look at her work at some stage, um, working with children um, that are disadvantaged. She says, it's a fallacy that God is okay with every emotion except grief, pain, or disappointment. It's a complete and utter fallacy that God is okay. When we come to him, we've got to be joyous and happy and all these bubbly little bits going on and that when we start to introduce grief, pain or disappointment, he's just shocked. It's like, oh, I didn't know that was there. He knows it's there all the time. Just be brutally honest and face your circumstances with God. Never pretend. The second thing I want to leave you with is recognise the tactics of the enemy. Recognize the tactics of the enemy. It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 10, it says, keep, in the message, it says, sorry, 1 Peter 8, 5 verse 8, it says, keep your cool, stay alert, because the devil is poised to pounce and will, would like nothing better than to catch you napping. So keep your guard up. See, the enemy comes as a roaring lion, and the thing is with that is it's quite easy to recognize him. You can't, a roaring lion in our midst is not particularly difficult to recognize. So what's harder to recognize is when the enemy is like a slimy snake in Genesis that comes to us on his belly, not right in your face. You could easily miss him if he was just sliming around here. But what actually happens is a subtle approach. It's not quite so in your face and brazen. Um, and often it's posing a question that's true in part, but not in the whole, and we get caught. Like he, like he said to Eve, you know, what about this and what about that? And part of it's true and part of it's false, but much harder to actually pick up and recognize. But the whole of the human race was derailed by the enemy's tactic as a slimy snake. And I would say to you, look for any areas where he's tried to derail you in your walk of faith. 
and your boldness and your courage, and that that could be an area where you've stopped growing in God and there's an area of stunted growth. And that doesn't apply just to the young people here today. Many of our older people, there may somewhere be in the circumstances of your life something that came your way extremely unexpected. And despite trying to deal with it, and etc., it's still not fully resolved. Be brutally honest with God. Never pretend. Recognize the tactics of the enemy. And the last one I want to finish with is learn to live with mystery. Learn to live with mystery. Now, Andre tells me in our conversations that um, through the generations of faith, people lived with mystery better than they do now. With uncertainty, without everything in a box ticked off. And they learned to live with that, and they found God in that, and they weren't spending all their lives trying to solve something that God was not necessarily going to answer and, and allow them to know the answer to. Our lives are not to be lived in silos, where we have certain areas of our lives which we have here, and then we have another one here, and then we have a church face here. God wants a an integrated framework before, between all the areas of our lives. And that often is hindered by the fact that we aren't living comfortably with mystery and uncertainty. It does not mean that we can explain everything, but I want to ask you, have we lost the art of living with uncertainty and mystery? And are we fully trusting God in those circumstances? I'm going to ask the ladies to come back up. Oh, and Andre, sorry, I didn't know he was there. Two ladies and Andre. And I'm going to ask them to play that song again. And I want you just to reflect quietly on the words of the song and the content of the message this morning. And if there is something there that you know you need to bravely come before God with, I encourage you to bring it to him today and say, God, I just bring this to you. I dump it at your feet. I'm disappointed in you. I'm pained. I'm hurt. Those circumstances that came my way, that person that was affected and how it's affected me, I lay it at your feet. You see, life has not turned out the way a lot of us expected it to. Let's just face it. Let's just say it hasn't. You know, more people are lost in the journey of faith by trying to ignore that question and try and not face it properly. I ask you today, just whatever God wants to do in your life, I don't want you to leave here without something in your heart saying, God, I bring this before you. I bring this before you. I recognize that the enemy has used these circumstances in my life to attempt to derail me and stunt my growth in you. And I come before you not for answers, but for the ability to trust you in the midst of mystery and uncertainty. I ask you just to let God speak to you today. The Holy Spirit is here to minister life to you. As I say, not quick fixes, not quick solutions. This is the real stuff of life. And if you need to process some of this with God, there's some circumstances in life that we also need to process with others around us. And so, you know, I encourage you, if God brings something specific to you, follow those steps we're going to do this morning. But at a later date, go back to your home group leader, go back to the, one of the elders or one of the home team here today and say, look, 
I would like some help. I would like some counselling, maybe. I would like to make progress. But I pray that today, above everything, you'll be able to put your trust in